Welcome to Rocketship, the podcast where web developers learn the skills and secrets to ship awesome mobile apps. I'm Simon Grimm, creator of Galaxies.dev, and today's guest is Christoph Magiera from Software Mansion X, a uh, core React Native developer and currently director of engineering at Software Mansion, uh, creator of some of the most epic packages in React Native, and also the person who announced the React Native IDE at the Krakow meetup uh, a few weeks ago. So, Krzysztof, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's great to have you on here because uh, if I read through your bio on Twitter, it's just so amazing. Like, director of engineering, ex-React Native core, author, uh, gesture handler, reanimated, and React Native screens. That's just like... You're basically covering all the important packages from, from the React Native ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we started pretty early. That's kind of um, like the, the whole story starts. Like when I, I work at, at Facebook and and specifically on, on React Native core team, that was many years ago. I think like 2014, 2015, somewhere around that time. So when React Native core team was like just a few people uh, and, and specifically I work on on the Android side, when exactly, I mean, from the time where the project actually started and uh, at, at Facebook uh, internally, and like this is how how the story starts for me, and like like this like being part of this uh, this effort uh, at Facebook, and then through the the time when when React Native got open source, uh, it allowed me to you know know a lot of uh, a lot of things about the internals, and then allowed me to you know later on. Start working on, on things that just weren't um, weren't there in in the ecosystem. So the missing parts of React Native in the early days, um, and that's yeah, that's how we uh, we managed to you know build the, all those essential packages and um, and basically that's that's how it's <laughs> how it's all started for us. This is so so amazing. So you've been there 2014 when React Native got started. Have you been like in? In the meetings, when when Facebook was thinking about should we do React Native or like, have you been really one of the first few people to write the first lines of code for React Native Core? Yeah, I mean it was for for Android though. Uh, so when I when I joined the team, uh, React Native already existed as a proof of concept. So there was a proof of concept that worked on iOS, um, and then like we wanted to see how much effort that would be to port it to Android. So I was. I was an like initial member of the Android kind of uh, related efforts, and since I also know iOS development, that was kind of easy for me um, to uh, to adapt because I I knew I could easily you know read iOS code and then understand it very well and then be able to uh, to write it up for for Android. So that's 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 how it started for me. Yes, and then but but then like already React Native existed, <laughs> so so it was already. Yeah. Uh, turn from an idea to a like proof of concept to some basic apps that would render uh, for iOS. Have you have you been been on site back then? I'm just curious. Have you been on site with Facebook back then, like in in California, or have you worked from Poland? Yeah. So on the on the React Native team, I was actually uh, in London uh, <laughs> at the time. Um, so where this is this was where actually the whole kind of React Native core native mm. part of the team was formed. So we we've been divided between React Native uh, JavaScript uh, team and then React Native native team that would work <laughs> on the native bits of the framework and then the uh, the part that would work on the React React bits of the framework and also just the JavaScript APIs and stuff like that. So the the JavaScript parts, including uh, Packager Metro, uh, it was used to call differently. Uh, it was called Packager back then. Uh, so that was based in California and then the native bits. Um, it, it actually the, the proof of concept was completely built there but then like we we also migrated and the the iOS native team to to London that's so cool uh I got I, I'm just so blown away by this that you've been one of the first people that I got more question about this so I got uh, actually two so my one question is did anyone at that point expect how big react native would be like a few years later I mean you said it was in early stages like a first few apps were built with it but like was there the dream or the hope that this would become probably the biggest cross-platform solution on earth, or what was your uh, like your goal or your idea back then? Yeah, I, I'm not sure if anyone actually expected it, uh, but I mean there were a lot of people involved, so 
possibly some people were anticipating that it, it will like evolve this way. Um, so Re React Native was addressing a lot of issues that Facebook had internally building mobile apps, but also that you could encounter uh, like when just like doing iOS or Android development specifically around uh, the build times or like how long it takes for you to get, you know, the um, the updates that you were getting. So essentially just kind of adapting the the developer experience that people had on web with React because React was already kind of well established. It was still, uh, it was still like pretty early in the early days of, of, of React uh, because React JS was open source like 2013, I think. Uh, like Facebook a couple of months earlier than, than it, it got open source, of course. And, but also like, yeah, people, people were like sold to, to react at the time. Like everyone loved it. Um, and even like JavaScript community, you know, I, I also started loving it. Uh, so <laughs> because like initially when it went out, it wasn't like that kind of like a popular, uh, choice for people. And there, there are a lot of objections that people just didn't like the, some of the concepts where, which now kind of became very natural for us. Like, everyone is kind of building React-like frameworks for JavaScript, but also for iOS, for Android, and for other, for Rust and whatever. So everything is kind of centered around the, the same concepts. Uh, yeah, around and React was like the first one to popularize, popularize this kind of approach, right? Yeah, around that time, I was still in, in Angular land and making the transition from AngularJS to, to Angular back then. And I think that was almost, yeah, they almost came up all at the same time. There was React and then Vue came around and they've all been around since then. But uh, React just assembled the, the biggest community behind it, I guess. Um, yeah. So in, in your team, my, my last question about this this era of your life have there been a lot of Polish developers on the React Native core team? Because that would explain why why the nation of Poland is carrying forward everything in the React Native ecosystem. I mean, if you had the roots already in the React Native core team back then. Uh, I, I don't think there was anyone else from Poland except for me. Uh, <sighs> then. And even, even through the, yeah, if, if I look forward a couple of months forward, and it was, it, it, like, the fact was that when when it, eventually went out as less a public open source because React Native was kind of privately open source at first and then it went like fully public open source. Uh, there were there were a number of people from Poland who, you know, like started um, uh, started contributing to it um, at that point. Uh, but for, yeah, for the, for the core team, I don't think there was anyone. I might be. <laughs> taken but yeah and, and we had we had some people from Poland that were around the working around like similar kind of uh infrastructure related teams uh but not specifically on React Native. Okay, okay. So fast forward a few years. Um you I'm not exactly sure did did you start software mention or did you join software mention? Yeah, so that that's that's kind of complicated. We actually started <laughs> software mention together with uh, with my friends from college, but that was even before I, I was at Facebook actually. So it was in 2011. Uh, so we we actually just had our 11th anniversary uh, just like a week ago, I think. Um, and and yeah, so we started we started a company back in 2000. I, I think it was, sorry, it was 2012, of course, and then. Um, uh, and then I took a little detour and, and joined in Facebook for a while. And then I, when I moved back to, to Poland, I rejoined the company and, and yeah, that's the whole story. So I'm, I'm a founder, but I wasn't here for some time, uh, in the middle, in the middle of, of the, it's like, it's like, like, uh, Steve Jobs and Sam Altman as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I never so, thought about that company, but I like it. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're the Steve Jobs of, of software mentioned. So um, there are some some packages I would like to talk about. Um, maybe we're going to start with the, I wouldn't say it's not popular, but to me, it's not the most shiny packages, which is React Native Screens. Um, I think this is like a very essential uh, package for React Native apps. But for me, I've been using Expo Router and stuff or, or React Navigation, I never really worked a lot with React Native screens, as also the GitHub repository says it's fully integrated in React, uh, in Expo and React Native navigation. So, 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 what is so great about React Native screens, and and which problem did it actually solve? Because at some point there was no React Native screens. 
Yeah, I, I think it's it's yeah the impression that you get about the package is it's like how it was actually meant to be always. Uh, like we never meant for for this specific package to be kind of like a user facing one. Um, I think so. What like the goal that we we had in mind when uh, when designing it, when creating the package, was to to uh, give those uh, native primitives for navigation to make it make them available from the JavaScript perspective. So the same way as you have a text component that just you know turns into a iOS UA label or Android on text view, uh, or you have text input that just turns into some other native uh, native component that you render or a switch component that you can use from JavaScript and turns to um, turns to like a iOS switch or Android switch. And you, you, you had all those components, but you didn't have the ones that are responsible for navigation related things. So like a UI navigation controller. So you could, you could sort of use that through some APIs, but you didn't have like a full control over a given component. And I think so what we thought about is that just by exporting or giving a way of interfacing with those components would be something that's going to be very important for navigation-related libraries because they could just build on top of that without you know, thinking about all those um, uh, native kind of aspects of, of, um, of components that you should be using when, uh, when you know, building a navigation-based uh, mm. app. And, and navigation is just everywhere. You need to have that. When you when you start the project, um, and yeah, we didn't have any you know specific uh, API in mind when we when we started this. Um, we collaborated with React Navigation, uh, so that was kind of the first package to adapt screens. Um, and yeah, but yeah, the, the API is basically just gives you a way of creating a navigation controller, or create, adding new screens to this navigation controller, or creating creating the the models stuff like that. So. And give you like a row control over that, so this is pretty kind of advanced in a sense, and but also something that you know we can build better abstraction on top of, and that's essentially what what navigation libraries are doing. They're building better abstractions for you to use those components, and and this you know package is kind of transparent to you. You don't really need to interface with this directly, um, but but it's really important for you so such that it you know you uh, your navigation that you have in your app. It uses the native uh, kind of primitives for uh, for those reasons, and reasons are basically uh, related to things like um, handling focus keyboard handling, uh, but also saving uh, resources. Like uh, when uh, when you compare uh, React apps that are built for web and React Native apps that are built for mobile, the biggest difference uh, is that uh, when you have a web app and then you you know click on things and you just like switch between screens, what's happening is that like React wipes the whole previous screen away from you and then renders new screen. Whereas on React Native, you basically get a stack of things that are just appearing on top of each other. And this is just much more resource consuming because you need to keep those other components in memory. They need to be there for the whole time. And those components, of course, so, so there's a component code that you have and it takes some memory, of course. Uh, because it, it might have state, it might have other things, um, but then you might also be rendering images, and those those images needs to be loaded into your memory as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and like native needs to know about this uh, fact because it can optimize like what types of things are kept in the memory uh, that the images are no longer actually being visible. So you can you know deallocate uh, a memory and then decode them again when they're appearing back. Uh, or maybe you have a video component playing in the background and you don't want this video to you know keep playing when you just yeah. open another screen on top of it, or maybe you have a maps component which are also very memory consuming, and you open something on top of maps. You don't want this map to actually be still active or tracking your location, uh, things like that. So, um, or maybe you have some animations just running on the, on those screens that you're not interacting with. So, mm -hmm. um, so the fact that you have the stacks instead of you know just replacing the view, it makes those aspects really important to, you know, you need to consider them. And that's why those native primitives are built, actually. 
Yeah, well, I was laughing when I heard you talk about deallocate and uh, I was remembering writing alloc in C++ or was it in Objective-C? I don't know, the, the allocation of stuff uh, old, uh, long ago. So it, it says, um, I mean, it's one of the first sentences on the repository. It is not designed to be used as a standalone library. So that should inform everyone what this is about. I feel like from, from your description, this is basically like one of these NPM packages that everyone's silently pulling into their app and one day you mess up the package and 95% of the React Native builds will fail. Is it like that? Because pretty much every application will use React Native screens at this point, right? Yeah, this is definitely one of the most frequently installed one <laughs> uh, because it's just like ships with navigation. So you like when you start a new project, you need to, to have navigation, but you don't necessarily need to have animations or other stuff. So... Uh, so yeah, this is, this one is the most frequently one that, like, out of the packages that we currently maintain to be installed. Sure. Uh, but I hope we won't mess anything up. Uh, yeah, I don't please, think it please. Happened, so, <laughs> so, so thanks, thanks for creating it. <laughs> it's it's amazing. Um, I, I would just like to know. I mean, it's not meant to be really used by us. But is there anything like hidden inside that's like good to know? Is there something we can actually? interact with that's like a hidden feature of React Native screens not a lot of people know about? Um, well, not necessarily from uh, from maybe like a app application developer perspective. When you when you build a library for React Native, then yes, so there are some considerations that, I mean, there, there are things that you can integrate with in order to provide, you know, some uh, kind of mechanism for handling those, you know, events of screens being not visible or visible. Hmm. Um, yeah, but there's there's also a lot of things that we added to uh, to screens over the course of the past years that might not be as frequently used. So things like integrating with uh, uh, th those are all actually available through React Navigation. It's just like there are just so many options there that you, people might just <laughs> be lost there. Uh, so things like uh, search bar, for example. So search bar that's kind of embedded into the navigation bar. Or uh, or different options for making the navigation bar translucent, or blurred, or all, all mm -hmm. those you know fancy native uh, effects that you get for free when using native components. Um, things like handling um, handling the uh, how is it called the uh, the Which insets part? of yeah when you when you have like a notch or something on your phone. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Or, the, the save or areas. The, yeah, save area stuff. Or just handling the the status bar basically because like there is there is a status bar API that's kind of in in React Native core, but mm. it's so the issue with it it's just in, it's imperative so you can call method set make it dark, uh, but this doesn't always like become uh, this doesn't always work because it just might sometimes get out of sync with like what screen you're looking at, so it's actually better oh. suited to be a part of uh, screen settings. Because then screen really controls when this screen is being visible, and you can assign like on this screen you want the bar to be dark, or on this screen you want the status bar to be light, or something like that. I see. So this is, kind of control is, is like what would we have there? Is something like I put the app into the background and my app screen is blurred, like when you have some sort of fintech application? Is this something that would be handled by React Native screens, or would that be a different package? Yeah, it could potentially be handled by by screens. We have we also have an API that allows you to kind of control the whole window of your application. Uh, so in that in that moment when you when you are your app to be blurred, you actually want to blur the whole window. So regardless of whether you have a navigation or you have a model, you want it to be blurred completely. So potentially something that can be also yeah, added on the, yeah. on the screen. Side. I mean, I mean, it's like a, like a privacy thing you see in some of yeah, yeah, banking I, I applications. That, yeah. yeah. Um, also in React Native screens, the swipe to go back, is this part of React Native screens or is this already uh, something we should talk about next, the next package, the gesture handler? Uh, yeah, so this is kind of both. <laughs> both <laughs> nice transition, I nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, both, both things are true at the same time. Uh, so one thing is that, uh, so screens, what, what it makes it available for, uh, from, from the JS is that it allows you to have the navigation controller on iOS. And the navigation controller on iOS is, has its own built-in handling for, for the back gesture. 
So you don't need, need to do anything special about it. You don't need gesture handler library or anything like that. It's just like a kind of a an element of, of this native component that you can have. Uh, but this is not true on other platforms. So on Android, you like the, the native kind of uh, fragment container that we're using um, as, as like a native primitive for navigation, it just doesn't have that. Um, so in order to have this, uh, you need to you know use gestures. And then like there are also many ways of, of handling this. It's also not something that's, you know, uh, people or, or Android user are, users are used to, but in some cases it makes sense for, for this interaction to be there. And then you can use other packages to define it the way you want it. Yeah, I was just asking, I'm, I'm an iOS user, so I know on Android you have the, the hardware back button. So is this usually how people go back? Um, I, I think apps usually don't have the swipe to go back. I mean, on Android, on iOS, you have this transition from like slowly going back, like it blurs the header and something is going on. On Android, you just have this like page closer. I don't know how to describe that animation, right? Yeah. So, so Android is, yeah, kind of complicated because it historically had, yeah, it historically had like a whole keyboard and even with a joystick or a D pad that you could actually have oh, yeah. like in the very old phones. And then they started, yeah, they, then they, uh, then they only have like, I think there were five buttons that they were left. There was like a menu button, like no one even remembers mm -hmm. now. And, um, but the, but the React Native, uh, this developer menu, it used to be hooked to that button. So you could actually <laughs> press the menu button on Android and actually open the, the dev menu for you. Um, and then, and then they went back to just three buttons, like a back, uh, back home. And then, uh, yeah, it was just like opening. I don't, I don't remember even <laughs> at this moment. Uh, yeah, looking, and, looking and now, at it. and now that there, there are no buttons actually, like a lot of phones, Android phones, they don't really have any buttons. Um, and, but then like a lot of apps already use and are hooked to this back button kind of functionality. So this is not something that they could just remove along with, uh, with, uh, you know, getting rid of, of actual buttons. So some phones have, have the button bar that just gets displayed on the bottom, but then you can also use it without it. Uh, and then you actually have the back swipe then. And, but it's not uh, like an interactive back swipe. So you can mm -hmm. actually swipe back. But this will be actually handled by the, the system for you. And this will emulate the back button. So you oh, okay. do the swipe gesture. It just shows you some indicator that this is going back. It shows you like a back arrow uh, just appearing from the side of the phone. And then it actually triggers the back action. OK. Well, let, let, let's talk about more interesting animations uh, and gestures than on, on Android. So um, your second most popular package is the uh, React Native Gesture. And I currently looked it up, 5.6K stars on uh, GitHub. So could you just describe briefly why you created that package initially, as I think there was already a gesture handling API available with React Native at that point? Yeah, so this was actually one of the first packages that I worked on after leaving uh, Facebook. So it's actually like one of the first things that I built after uh, after I left was um, was the animated native driver uh, API. So so one so when I, when I left Facebook, uh, yeah, I don't remember even what year was that <laughs> that we I, yeah even even while at Facebook we started collaborating with Expo a lot because uh, Expo was like adapting, like when among first adopters of React Native and they also like built a team around it and just help a lot with handling the community related things and handling like a lot of, you know, things that are were just missing in, in, in React Native and were needed by people using React Native externally. So it was a very important partner. Um, and when I left, I, we also kind of continued to collaborate. I, I continued to collaborate with them directly, um, and and um, and yeah, and, and essentially, like what we started thinking of is like what are the um, the weak points of of the framework, and uh, the biggest issue was with animations. So the animation were suffering because of the fact that they would uh, require you to run on the main JavaScript thread, which was already busy with rendering React. Um, so the idea was to um, to take advantage of the fact how animated was kind of designed in a declarative way and try to you know get it out of uh, of the of the JavaScript thread. So that's how the native driver idea came to be. And that was my kind of contri first contribution to React Native as an external <laughs> contributor. Uh, so so once we had animations, 
then and then the another aspect of of this was that you you wanted to have interactive gestures and while the animations could run completely off the javascript thread then the gestures would still require you to go to javascript talk with the js responder system and then you know communicate it back to animations or do some updates on the screen um so so th this was kind of a not uh you know in uh, the experience wasn't in par with with uh, like what you could get on native android or ios and so we started you know designing gesture handler around that so that was that was the first kind of library or or external package that that we developed that software mentioned and um and it was basically just to fill the the, the gap of you know needing to have more uh smooth and interactive anim animations on on uh, in react native yeah, I mean it's it's an epic package, just like reanimated. So just to to round it up, that would be the third package. Um, we can talk briefly about that in a second. <clears throat> I just I just really like how these things put everything into like the native threads and and how it works in general. It's it's still mind blowing to me a bit how it works, um, but it's very obvious to understand that this increases the performance dramatically and uh, makes this a lot better. Now, the React Native gesture handler is. I don't know how old it is, but it's been uh, around a bit. Um, what are uh, like things you have still planned for the future? I don't know if you're still actually involved in the in the future development of the gesture handler, but maybe you know about. Is there anything else planned? Because it kind of sounds like it's it's done. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 done, but it's also in in some aspects it is done, and there there are also some other. Uh, you know aspects how how it can evolve and it's it's yeah the software development it it can be just compared to you know the having a moan on around your house that you need to loan right so if, if you're not loaning it then uh, and then then it becomes uh, unmaintainable so that's uh, we we still have people who are actively maintaining it um, there are issues uh, of course that that needs to be addressed there are new um, new kind of additions that we are also making to the API, and, and recently, uh, there is there we don't have like a huge roadmap or vision for for gesture handler, for example, or for screens. It's mostly like we try to get to listen to the feedback from the community or feedback that we also like produce internally at Software Mention because we are very well positioned to uh, to you know and to to expand those or work on those packages because our companies as a software development services company and we have uh, you know 20 something different react native projects so we have big teams internally who work with react native who work on react native projects and have you know real life examples of uh, of the ways how how those packages are being used um so we have you know direct feedback and this also um, helps a lot in, in making it better making it you know work continuously in in newest versions and stuff like that so um, so things, yeah, we, we're adding some smaller things to, to gesture handler. There is also, we, we are investing in, uh, in expanding, uh, support beyond iOS Android. Um, so we have some efforts, uh, yeah, we already have, you know, some, to some extent, uh, support the web platform. Uh, we yeah. have efforts to support Mac OS, Windows, uh, so other platforms basically. I wonder if in the future, you know, when 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 the Apple Watch has this finger tap gesture, isn't that a gesture as well? Is this something for the React Native gesture handler? I wonder. I you know, the, the new Apple Watch you can like control with with your fingers oh, uh, to like accept a call or stop music, so you don't have to like use your other hand. Yeah, um, but it's I, more I like a it's more like a like a body gesture. It, yeah, it, it's more like an event perhaps that it's just <laughs> controlled from gyroscope. I don't know. It's kind of some some movement related. Uh, right. You know. Device, I don't know. Yeah, pro probably that. So, yeah, good for you. So you don't have to do anything about that, and we can just get it. So, yeah. thankfully, we're, so so the so the gestures that are kind of uh, like immediate and uh, are I, I call it I call it discrete gestures uh, yeah. that just happen like once, like tapping or something like that. They are not really that problematic. So the the most problematic ones that you really expect it to work smoothly and performantly. Are the you know continuous gesture when you drag something or when you pinch or zoom or rotate things? So those are the, the most tricky ones because then then those are actually typically associated with some animations that need to run continuously and be you know 
up to date with your movement, they cannot really lag behind because then you would notice. And when you tap and then you have like a 50 or 100 milliseconds even delay after tapping, this is really un almost unnoticeable. Mm -hmm. so, so that also means like these gestures you're talking about, like the long tap or dragging something along, that always requires an animation library as well, because that is not part of React Native Gesture Handler. This is just capturing the gesture itself, but then making sure that in a performant way we can redraw the box or whatever is on the screen, we would then use reanimated, right? Yeah. Exactly. So this is the, the third package. And I think it's actually your most popular with almost 8,000 stars on GitHub. And I mean, pretty much everyone should know about reanimated, but could you give like just a, the, the brief information, the brief overview, what reanimated is or means for React Native? Yeah, I think so. So reanimated is actually, yeah, the, the most kind of user facing library that we, uh, we have in develop. Um, and it gives you a way of defining gesture-based interactions in a performant way such that they execute on the UI thread. They don't take up the, um, the you know, precious time of, on the, of the main JavaScript thread that renders your components. Um, so so Reanimated gives you that. So it gives you a way of defining some, you know, starting from simple transitions that are just like type, type of like a fire and forget. So you start an animation and then it just runs until it's, you know, finished. But it also gives you a way of inter integrating with with things like gestures, or maybe scrolling behaviors, or maybe your device sensors, and all of that can be you know fed into the reanimated, and it could you know update um, update it in a performant way. So you can define different interactions based on all those kind of inputs. Um, and beyond that, we also have in reanimated thing that we call layout animations, which allows you to very easily define transitions. Of your components on the screen, so you could define um, in a in a very easy way how every component can be uh, like how it should appear on the screen. Um, if it if it moves to a different position on the screen or resizes, it also can be handled by by layout animation. And most importantly, I think the exit animation, which is something that's been pretty tricky um, to to get right in, in React. This is something that's also uh, reanimated provides in, in layout animations and, and is something that's kind of unique uh, feature of, the, of this library. I, th I think everyone in, in development hates exit animations. Like you always get the, the problem of when do you remove the element? So you have to wait until the animation of the exit is actually done. Then you can remove the actual DOM element or whatever you got. I feel like I heard this on a podcast before, like everyone's struggling with exit animations, but yeah. Yeah, with um, reanimated, you don't really need to think about that. It's just <laughs> like a prop that you set on the view. And thanks to the fact that reanimated actually integrates with, with the renderer that's happening on the device. Your component can be long gone after you know, and and the animation could still continue because we we can we can do this because we operate on the native kind of hierarchy rather than on the React hierarchy. So we don't really need to care that much about like what's happening in React. You don't need to you know really control the the mm -hmm. whole um, flow of you know keeping the component active for the animation duration. Yeah, I'm a big fan of reanimated. I think I used it in a stream and in a course on, on galaxies. Um, uh, also regarding the layout animations, I think this can be also really well described. And if you have just like a, like a list and you add items to the list, like the animation of how items come into the ellipse or leave that list, uh, that is a beautiful ex um, uh, example of layout, uh, of entering and exit animations. Uh, we can demonstrate pretty much everything, but everything else also the hooks I've done like, Parallax image scroll with reanimated. I've done like scroll and then the header bar fades in. It's also unbelievable easy with React, uh, with reanimated and especially with reanimated three. I think I haven't used the versions before. Uh, but now with all the hooks, it's, it's just super easy. The one thing that I kind of have a love hate relationship with is the shared animation. So I think shared animations are epic. I click on a card and it opens another screen and the item from that one page is displayed bigger on the next page. And that's usually the example you see for a shared uh, element transition. However, I sometimes have problems with this, especially with Expo Router. I think it's due to like the insets, the save area. If I have a status bar or if I don't have a status bar or 
uh, header bar. I think these things kind of confuse the shared animations. And also, as far as I know, shared animations are still pretty early. And finally, then my rant is over. Uh, finally, I would really love to have more properties for shared animations because so far they're like five to 10 things like position, width, scale, I don't know, uh, that you can animate. So I really love to know what are the plans for shared element transitions in the future? Are you actively putting work into this and, and making this a bigger feature? Yeah, so as as you mentioned, it's still kind of an early feature. Um, and we, uh, like our, um, I think, ability to, to ship like a quality uh, libraries roots in the fact that we we use them uh, on a daily basis as software <laughs> mentioned and on different projects and for for shared element transitions we don't really have that many use cases so we don't really have like a good mm. feedback on that and we also haven't really received a lot of feedback from the community on shared element transitions and i i definitely understand and agree with the fact that it's not as polished feature as others uh in reanimated and uh, but it's also something we don't really have a lot of um feedback about so uh, so yeah, if you are listening to this and you have issues with shared element transitions, feel yeah, feel obliged to uh, to create an issue for it because we need that to to make it better. Yeah, um, I definitely vote for that as well. I mean, it's so far already pretty great what's possible and how you can create your own workload to define the transition. But uh, I think there is more possible in the future, and I'm I'm pretty sure you will uh, get to that point because I don't think you have the technical issues to implement this yeah as you said you just probably don't know what you actually need or want to implement yeah so, so the, the the issues are mainly in the fact that it just it needs to integrate with many different things uh, like you mentioned expo router for example it's also something that we haven't really tested it very well with because we would actually need to have an expo router product project and then also use shared transition in it and this combination is going to be very unique based on the fact that those two things are also very early right so they're and there are some people who are using Expo Router. There are some people who are using uh, short transitions. And then, you know, uh, the mix of those, it's just like, <laughs> they, it's even fewer people who are using both of them uh, at the same time and might also have uh, some extra uh, requirements that might not be working well in, in Reanimated or in Expo Router. So I will, I will keep an eye on, on reanimator and the shared elements transition. I think currently we're at version 3.4 or something, or maybe even later. Uh, yeah, 3.5 actually, 3.5. So looking forward to version 4. Now, I actually found Christoph because I saw a post go almost viral on Twitter. In that post, Christoph uh, presented something, and I looked at it, and I thought... I have seen that application before. It, it looks so familiar to me. And I was zooming into the screenshot of what Christoph was presenting. And it was actually uh, my Airbnb clone that I released like a few days ago. So first of all, thanks for using that. I was so happy. I actually showed it to my wife. I said, hey, look, this expert was using my application. I'm so happy today. Um, but it, this is not about my Airbnb clone. This was just an example. What you did was... You uh, posted something and to this day, which is actually a few weeks before this goes live. It has already 600 bookmarks, 1.5K likes, 400 retweets, over 300,000 views on Twitter. So, Christoph, what did you demo at the Krakow meetup that made uh, React Native on Twitter explode like this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, first of all, thanks for, uh, you know, Making those uh, those apps and making them public and the source code public, so that's that's really useful and uh, and and I also I, I actually likewise and and find find yourself uh, you, when I saw this uh, this app on on Twitter just a few days before <laughs> it, it was actually two days before I actually meant to demo, uh, yeah. demo the the project and I figured yeah I mean that's what I was looking for because I was kind of thinking. Hey, this demo I created, it just looked ugly and yeah, people, <laughs> it just won't actually make an impression. Uh, or, or this, this, this impression was, yeah, in, in a big part, thanks to, to how, uh, how your demo app looked like. So, um, oh, nice. So, Thank so, you. So that's, that's also thanks to that. Yeah. But anyway, so the, the project I was demoing was the, the ID, React Native ID project. We started developing some time ago at, at Software Mention and, um, and this is something that you know we we try to um, 
to to make available sometime soon, hopefully, <laughs> to everyone. And and the project is around just making the the whole developer experience better for React Native developers because that's something I I feel like it's it's really an area that that lacked a lot of attention for years and uh, and. And uh, the fact that we have so many React Native developers or so many packages is, is just miracle, like how people get so far without a great tooling about that. Like people really need to learn a lot and uh, um, in order to, to, to start working with React Native and uh, the kind of um, the, the bar, the entrance bar for, for the technology was like really high for, for a lot of people. And perhaps we would have, even have more people working on it right now if, if it wasn't like lacking for so many years. But anyways, like we, at Software mentioned, we have we have this a great team that we build around uh, open source. Uh, we also have other open source or dev uh, experience related teams uh, working on like completely different areas that we uh, that we have at Software mentioned. Um, but we've been thinking for for some time already. Like we built reanimated gesture handler screens. Uh, we now maintain uh, React Native SVG. We contribute to React Native Core. Uh, like we also contributed a lot of Fabric um, migrations across like the community libraries. Um, and yeah, we we are very well positioned to make big impact in React Native community. So that's what we wanted to do and like we were looking for different ways of how we can actually make this impact and we were looking at things uh, like what things would actually make you know the, the life for developers better would it be like some another package that we might be able to come up with and but this is pretty you know the, the field is like very uh, competitive now and there are a lot of people who are building packages where we, we also work with Expo uh, and have uh, and our team at Software mentioned created the the Expo modules API. Expo modules is essentially a way for which makes it much easier for anyone to build package for React Native to build their. It's own, awesome, yeah. Uh, it's to awesome. Build their own just kind of component. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so this is this is something that we built uh, at Software mentioned as well, and and so so that's kind of like contributions that we we are thinking of. So we want to make it better for everyone and not necessarily by, you know, creating more packages, but maybe giving them a way of building those packages better or building the way, making a way of, for them to build apps better. And that's how this, you know, the whole idea about the IDE came to be. So we wanted to, uh, you know, improve the developer experience. It also comes from uh, like one of, one of the ideas uh, was, it's just based on the feedback that we got on the state of React Native survey that we, uh, we run uh, last year, um, so we have this um, we have this um, survey that we we plan also to to launch this year. So we already mm -hmm. started collecting questions. Uh, so if there are people who are willing to contribute to the questions, then we can maybe share a link somewhere uh, yes, to how, we'll how to contribute to this discussion. Um, and um, and yeah, so so one of the the biggest things that people listed on the survey was that like the developer experience sucks. And <laughs> it's it's definitely something that uh, yeah I, would, I could sign uh, <laughs> sign up so um, so definitely agree with this statement it just wasn't great uh, it was it was okay for me because I already knew Android and I knew iOS development before I started React Native um, but it isn't this great for people coming from web for example because when they want to go to you know start adopting React Native they need to learn iOS tooling they need to to learn Android tooling. And if you if you look at other people who are not even experienced with React, then when they want to start React Native project, they not only need to learn React, but they mm. also need to learn all those other tools, right? Yeah. Um, so this was really complicated, um, and and yeah, and we wanted to make it very streamlined. So so like one one of the approaches is what Expo is doing. So they are mm -hmm. actually you know accumulating a lot of that kind of. Uh, ideas and, and problems into the, the CLI that Expo has, and it's it's really great. Um, but we're thinking like how to make it even better. Like when when you look at other uh, other UI frameworks or for Android development, for iOS development, uh, like it, everything, it, every time it just starts with an IDE. So you have Xcode <laughs> for iOS. Like no one is actually you know building iOS apps from the command line, and unless they you know hit some uh hit some scale uh issues then then that might become you know a consideration but when they start they just use you know export or swift playground 
it's uh, it it needs to be very easy for them to you know get hooked. Um, and I mean, there are probably some people using Vim to write Swift code. Like <laughs> Primogen would probably use it. But, <laughs> um, yeah. So beyond... yeah. So that's yeah. Typically, people start with uh, like whatever is recommended to them uh, at the uh, at the you know framework website or or iOS development website or Android uh, development website. Um, and that's that's the IDE. So you go to Android website and you learn you should install this, and then you install Android Studio. And there is like a wizard that you click through to, you know, you want to have like a single activity, whatever. Then yeah. it install SDKs for you. And then you have like a play button. You click it and then your app just builds and run on the emulator that just sits there. Um, and, and here the idea was the same. Like we wanted, we want this to be like a very streamlined experience. We want them to, you know, get this tool installed and create, create a new project or even have this tool create the project for them. Um, and then just have a way of running it, and and this actually may we actually tried even to make it to the extreme where you don't re don't need to click anything <laughs> in order to make it run. So it just would actually build for you without you doing anything. You, you could actually nicely also if you want to have this wizard like setup, you could integrate Expo Stack. So I previously talked with Dan Stepanov, who's building Expo Stack Dev, which is like a CLI tool to bootstrap. Uh, expo application so you can select which packages you want to add and it automatically creates this application like even with firebase or superbase backend um which would be another thing to make the the process of getting started easier but i want to quickly just before we have to uh, wrap up talk about a few of the key features of this ide so i don't want to give the wrong impression it is not an ide itself it is an extension for visual studio code as far as i understand and it comes with cool tools like Uh, integration to Expo routers. You can like from a drop down select which route you want to go to. You can use some sort of debugging tool, which we know from the web. So you have like an inspector. You can click on your emulator and it pops up the according code snippet. Like what, what are the highlights of this uh, React Native IDE? And especially like you presented this at the Krakow meetup, which was quite a big meetup. Like in, in which cases or in, at which features was the audience like, ooh, like where did they react the most? Which, which was the hottest feature according to well, the audience? I, I, was, I was actually expecting the audience to uh, to, to have more kind of reactions than, <laughs> than, they, uh, than they surfaced. Uh, there, there wasn't like a, a lot of people were just quiet. Maybe they were in all, I don't know. Yeah, they were just stunned. Like it was uh, so amazing. Yeah, I yeah I didn't yeah really was a little bit confused <laughs> while presenting it. But so the extension when you yeah this is this is an extension like we call it an IDE project, but in in fact it's something that you can install with VS Code. I think there there are a lot of advantages of that. A lot of people uh, internally at Software Mansion and also in the community, I know they use VS Code for for React Native development and and it's also a great tool. Um, so building around around the extension uh, for, for VS Code was kind of what we were aiming for. And, and that's how it's structured right, the, right at the moment. Uh, not sure if that's something we all, you know, uh, whether we were going to stick with VS Code or, or not, that's kind of like a different discussion. But it, uh, what, it, what it makes possible is that when you open a React Native project, it gives you kind of like a side-by-side -side view of, your, of the iOS simulator or Android emulator um uh, you you have like a select box there you can switch between those uh, these two depending on like what where you want to test it um and and it just appears side by side to your code and it kind of the goal is for this to be very well integrated into the editor experience so so things uh, like you mentioned like for example you, there is like an inspect button you click on a button and uh, you can you know hover over the emulator click on any element and it will navigate you to the component where this element is defined. So this is something I I already use a lot. I almost use it all the time. It's like very, really convenient, especially when you, uh, when you, you know, take some project that you don't really, are not familiar with the code base very well. And, and that's, that's also like very frequent use case already because people, even though if they're like very, if they, they're familiar with, with some parts of the code base, especially when the app is big, They don't necessarily are familiar with everything there, so that's a very convenient feature for you to navigate to the source code, then be able to change something. Um, yes, something that I really use a lot. Uh, so I use I, it in the browser all the time yeah. for debugging my web yeah. applications. Yeah. So, so now instead, of, yeah, in, in in a web browser, you get 
uh, instead of you know navigating to component, you get the it navigates you to the DOM element there. So that's another step you need to take to in order to actually locate the, the actual source code for this. So so thanks to the fact that it runs in an editor, you just navigate it to the to the editor and you can change it there and then it hot re hot reloads and then you can just update it in the real uh, you know real time almost. Um, so that that makes it very very seamless. It makes it for a very seamless experience. I, I assume we could have like a full episode on just how that feature works, like how this inspect clicking into that view opens my my code editor. Is is yeah. that like a web view running in that uh, simulator or? Not the simulator. So the extension. So VS Code is is like an electron electron app. So it's it's a web view, and and the extension that you build for VS Code, they're also web views. So whatever whatever you want to render inside of VS Code is a web view. So this call like a simulator window is also kind of like a web view that just displays you this uh, stream of like what's visible in your uh, in your simulator or, or the Android emulator. Um, but yeah, so going back to the features. So as you mentioned, also there is this um, uh, this export router integration that we built, um, and that's yeah we're we're just experimenting a lot. So the so the whole to get to get it to the point where it, it's now where where you can we, you can take a project it builds runs inside of the VS Code, then we have like plenty of different ideas what we can add on top of that. And one thing was Expo uh, router integration. So we have we can show you a navigation bar. And when you, you know, when you you know open new screens, then it updates uh, in the real real uh, life in real time, and you also have a history, so you can you know go back in history to other places in your app. And we also use it for this other feature that we have uh, that we call the follow functionality. So follow makes it uh, possible for us to track where you edit certain component code on and what screen you look at when you're editing it. And we also can, can take advantage of the fact that we have a React DevTools integrated in, in the in the whole thing, uh, so we can you know know exactly at which screens you are rendering which components, and we kind of try to make this association, and we also this way we allow for just automatic switching between the the screens on your phone when you are changing between editors. So you want to edit this component, we know this component was on that screen. And we can automatically navigate you to that screen. So this whole thing thank, works thanks to the to integration with Explorator because we need to know whenever someone changes a screen and like what's what's on that particular screen. And we also need to have a way of you know opening a given URL or different or, or a given screen. Uh, so that's another thing we have. Um, we also have the whole uh, debugger, as you mentioned, integrated. Um, so that's something that you know. It's been really difficult to to get set up and and integrated for years. Like people, there were like tons of different solutions, and uh, none of of those were like perfect or great. And this is also not perfect, <laughs> but it's it's we kind of try and aim to for this to be really, uh, really good and work really great. Um, so it's it's like the first thing is just it's completely automatic. You don't need to do anything about it. It just runs there, and you have the debugger connected by default. So if you have an exception that it's thrown somewhere and it's unhandled, then it will you know pause pause at that that line so that instead of you know going reading through the stack trace, locating the code and then figuring out like like what you need to really change for this to work or not crash, then you can you, you are already you know stopped at this this point where the exception was thrown and you can see like what are the variables whether it's like undefined or well, why it could be undefined stuff like that. So it just like stops by default. And then you can also set the breakpoints. So you can set breakpoints when you when you lock something. It's also integrated with VS Code uh, debug console. So when you when you have like a console log, it shows in this one place where the logs are appearing in in VS Code, and then it also shows with uh, a link to the line where the log was generated because that's also something I use a lot. Mm. I just put a lot of logs everywhere, yeah. and then I when I you know <laughs> click on things, I just don't know where those logs are and if they're annoying. And then I want them to be removed. So, so that, that is so so helpful. Like like these things alone are just so helpful. I, I still remember like when I when you debug some Swift code and you put a breakpoint and then it's like you are somewhere in an NSURL session because that was where the breakpoint was initially like thrown and you're like, well, I want to debug my code, not as some random Apple class. And if you can just like instantly like instantly transfer this back to the line of code in the React Native app, I mean, wow, that's like yeah, 
these are just, I mean, I would have said, wow, if I were in, in the audience of that uh, talk. I think there's one more thing that's called like a component preview package. I was curious about this because I talked to Daniel before, who's like doing Storybook for React Native. I wonder how this is like comparable to Storybook, or I think you even had some some interaction with Daniel because he, he wanted to help out with that. Yeah, so at, at, at this moment, we don't really have any, uh, yeah, in a... Uh, action or any plans to integrate it. I mean, we do have plans, but we we don't really have enough time to uh, to work on that. But the idea of the preview is that you could have a individual component to be rendered outside of the context of your application. So if you're um, if you have some you know design system or stuff like that, um, and you want to um, to develop certain features in isolation, that's like a kind of perfect way of, of doing this in React Native. So instead of having your app being right, very complex thing that you need to run every time you change something, and then maybe uh, you know you, you want to change something on one screen, but then when the app reloads, you need to start from you know sign-in uh, sign window, you need to log in or click something, click through so many screens, and then only get to that certain uh, element. Um, so we wanted to make it such that you can define, you know, some entry points that are smaller. And that was kind of, uh, I think that that was the first idea behind this, the whole project. So we wanted to build this, this specific functionality. And then we started, you know, thinking that, hey, we, we already have the preview and then we can maybe just show you the whole app or maybe even add debugging to it. So that's the kind of like where the, 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 the whole product started. Um, and, and yeah, and, and kind of, uh, has, um, yeah, there, there is some overlap here with, with like what Storybook does because like with Storybooks, you already need to have those entry points defined. So I, I could see this being like very well integrated. Uh, and that's something we, we uh, eventually want to, uh, to, to work on. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much more to say at this moment. I don't know if, like how, how the things are turn uh, will turn out here, but. Yeah, there is. Yeah, definitely, there is some overlap, and I think uh, from yeah from from the demo I was showing, it was like very easy and simple example because mm -hmm. you only have a yeah I I don't even remember what I had in the demo, but there was like a com completely kind of isolated component that didn't take any kind of context into um, mm. into consideration. Yeah, it was like a, like a header search box or something. Yeah. It didn't require any, you know, props to be injected, but in real life, it's not that easy. Like components yeah. have properties. Components uh, may be reading from the storage. Components may be may require, uh, you know, some context providers to be defined on top of your application. Uh, and I think I think we're very well positioned to to provide a lot of those things automatically. So the fact that we're kind of integrated with Expo Router, for example, we can take the context from like what you need for the Expo Router, and instead of just rendering it standalone, we can take the you know the Expo Router context and render the component inside, and then relying on the fact that everything, all the context providers you have, they should already be there. Um, so so handling this more more kind of automatically for uh, for the users is is our goal here, and then yeah. Then maybe the final feature is just the the settings that you can change on the on the simulator emulators and things like the text size. Um, so I find I found those things to be, you know, often, um, yeah, just not not a lot of people really test their applications under different you know text settings, for example. And a lot of people actually change that from my experience and and my parents also, and like, including <laughs> my parents, they need to change that otherwise they wouldn't really. Be able to use their phones, uh, so so testing things under those different settings, it's something that people just don't do because it's it's also very it's it's not very easy for them to change that even even if you if you want to do that then you need to you know go to the device settings and then change it somewhere and then yeah, yeah. do it again if you want to test it and you don't really have a good way of comparing before and after, uh, so just making it available on on the on a click on a single click it's something that I'll hopefully make it make more people uh, test those things. All of these things, they sound so amazing. I was looking at the threads, so I will put this also in the show notes so people can check it out. You have like uh, eight or nine little videos where you show the different features. Um, so that's even better visually taking a look at this. My, my only question is really, 
when can I get my hands on this? Like, how, how big is your team? Uh, have you planned any bigger features or do you really now try to work towards a release in the, in the near future? Yeah, so th so the team is very small, so it's actually just myself. Right <laughs> <laughs> um, but so the, so I was I was I was working on it alone for some time, and I think we just didn't know like where this will lead us. So we were ex I was exploring a lot of different ideas there, and kind of wanted for for some time now, um, or for like two months or so, I was thinking like how like where where this is going, where this is heading. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that I had was that I want to be able to present it to someone and then like maybe then figure out like what and see like what the reactions are, what people think, and then based on that kind of figure out what to do next. Um, and and yeah, so so for uh, for like a month, uh, I was working with, with another person here at Sofa Mansion Uh, with my colleague on uh, on making on getting it to the point where it's like presentable and it you know, all those things really work really well now. Um, the, the the things that I was presenting there there are no you know cats there. It's just like I presented it live. Actually, it was my I think my first live demo actually did on stage. <laughs> um, and so so those things just work and pretty well, and it also looks nice. Uh, so uh, so yeah, so wanted to 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 see what people's reactions are and, and they exceeded my expectations. So a lot of people were really interested in that. You also mentioned like, yeah, it, it got the, the, the post, it got like 300,000 views on Twitter, mm -hmm. which is like more than I could have really imagined. Uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's like six X, whatever I did in the past. Um, <laughs> so, so really happy to see this kind of response and uh, response from the community. And, and it looks like people really need this. Um, and so, so now we are in the process of expanding the team. So we're hmm. getting more people on board, um, and, and want to accelerate the progress. Um, we will soon start a phase where, so we actually want to, to, to use it internally at Software Mention. We want to get the teams to use it. Um, and this will hopefully happen in the next week or two. Um, and based on the feedback, we will get there. Uh, yeah, we'll. We'll proceed accordingly. I could say that. I mean, I would, I've hoped that like some time in like early next year, uh, this will mm. be like publicly available. Um, but yeah, there are, there are also many factors. I also want to make sure that it's, it's really well polished because that's kind of my experience with other related tools in the past was that, uh, when it, yeah, it's, it's there. I, I could, I would give it a try, but it, if it doesn't work for me, like, I don't think I will actually give it another try in the you know next couple of months. So, um, so want to make sure that this will you know work very well for people from day one, because otherwise, um, otherwise they might not really you know get hooked in or or even try to attempt to use it again because people get you know um, will base their opinion on the first impressions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you presented probably an MVP of this project, but you really want to ship like a, a minimum lovable version of that project, at least that, that people can can really like. My recommendation would be to sprinkle in a bit of AI. Every good tool today needs a bit of AI. So just, just I just saw something today, which is the Visual Studio Code extension. So you can just draw something and it turns like there's a button make real and then it turns it into a React Native code. So I don't know how, but Definitely, the React Native IDE needs some some AI sprinkled into it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I mean my head is full of ideas and uh, of different sorts. Uh, so, uh, so we have we have more ideas than time to to make them, and and there is a lot of you know complexity in in the pro in, in, in React Native and in the build pipeline, in in the run pipeline, uh, and people are using React Native with different configurations. So. Getting that covered, I don't think will ever be possible. So we need to limit ourselves to, you know, supporting certain ways of, of uh, cer certain project configuration. Like, for example, the first version will only, you know, support Greenfield apps uh, or apps that are built with, you know, React Navigation or Expert Router. Um, so we will need to put some constraints on, like, what we support or we we also likely limit uh, versions, React Native versions. So if you're Like running on six, six seventy, then that's not an option for us. I don't know. I I don't know yet. Like what kind of constraints we need to put for this to make to make it possible for us to you know 
bring a uh, a good experience to uh, to to people from from day one. I'm I'm sure that uh, if somebody can do it, then software mention can do it. So uh, thank you for all the packages for React Native screens, gesture handler, reanimate, and then uh, for the upcoming React Native IDE. Thank you so much for putting in all the times, and of course, um, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast today and taking the time. Yeah, um, Where, where can people find out more about you or your project? Where should they go? I will put the links in the show notes. Yeah, I think I think to, like the X thing uh, is where, <laughs> where I'm most active on. So all, all everything there should be uh, should be an X. And other than that, it's GitHub. Uh, search for software mention on our uh, our company's uh, main repo. There are a lot of you know, bookmarks there. And interesting projects, and there are also some other packages that we haven't talked about. Uh, so checking them out, and yeah, awesome. Yeah, I will put all of that, uh, the links in the show notes, so people can check it out. Also, of course, check out galaxies.dev, where I host my online courses, where which I can base on all these great packages like Reanimated. I still plan a course on the gesture handler, so that's definitely something on my list for the future. Um, Thank you. I'm looking forward to the React Native IDE and uh, I hope to bring you back in 2024 when the React Native IDE drops. Uh, hopefully that's in like January, February, March. Yeah, well, early 2040, right? Have a great time and thanks for joining me, Christoph. Yeah, thank you.